Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the CGF Sustainability Podcast with me, Louise Chester. In this series, we take a deep dive into all things sustainability, from forced labour to plastic waste and the circular economy, to food waste, forests and so much more. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Archana Jaganathan, Senior Director of Sustainable Packaging at PepsiCo Europe. PepsiCo has just announced some big news about their plans to eliminate virgin fossil-based plastic in all of their crisp and chip bags by 2030. I'm so excited to find out more about this announcement and talk all things plastics and packaging with Archana. So let's meet her. Hello, Archana. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on the CGF podcast. How are you doing? Are you well? Doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very well. So I wanted to connect with you today, Archana, to talk about all of PepsiCo's wonderful work on plastic packaging. I know that you've recently announced your Making Bags Better program. So perhaps you could tell us all about that. When, for instance, can consumers expect to see the the results of your work on the market? Absolutely, happy to. Uh, Look, ultimately at PepsiCo, what we want to do is we want to put smiles on the faces of our consumers through our uh, products, be it our beverages or our our snacks. But we want to do so in a way that ensures that the packaging need never become a waste. And that has been our our global vision for a while. Now, that's uh, well on its way in Europe. In, uh, in the beverage side of our business with plastic bottles or aluminum cans, but flexible packaging is in much more nascent stages of uh, development in terms of the recycling infrastructure. Uh, and that's what the Making Bags program, uh, Making Bags Better program is, is about. It's really about delivering the ambition for circularity in flexible packaging, which is the soft scrunchy plastic that we use for our um, our snack packets. And the way we want to do this is really through driving both innovation and investments to ensure that we create this uh, virtuous circular loop for flexible packaging. So there are three things we've talked about in our uh, announcement. One is making sure that we have the right uh, design for for packaging. And we have committed to moving all of our crisp packets to monomaterial packaging, which basically includes higher proportions of recyclable uh, polymers like like polypropylene, which therefore gives better economic yield to to recyclers as they recycle our packaging. So we've we've committed that we we will change our design to make it easier to fit into this circular economy. And we've been working with CGF uh, and signed up to some of the golden design rules uh, as well. So that element of designing is uh, is really critical. The, The second piece then we talked about in the announcement is the right infrastructure. And obviously we need to make sure that we have the right Uh, policy frameworks, as well as the right technology in order to actually collect, sort and recycle the flexible plastic once it's put onto the market. And then the third key element we've talked about is making sure that we give uh, the bags the right second life. And again, here we're working with players to invest in food grade recycled content, uh, but also we're working with players across the value chain on renewable content. So one of the big uh, ambitions that we've put out 
as part of the Making Bags Better program is a commitment to completely move away and eliminate virgin fossil fuels from all of our packaging by 2030, which means we will only use recycled or renewable content in all of our packaging by 2030. Well, a big congratulations is in order for for this impressive work. I I just wanted to ask you one question that's perhaps a rather basic one, but interesting nonetheless. So why do you use flexible plastic for these types of products rather than another type of material? That's a great question. So if you think about the products that we make, um, crisps, uh, Doritos, all of our other snack products, they require they're they're fragile products at the end of the day so they require protection from oxygen uh, moisture food contamination in the environment so the Mm -hmm. most important thing that we look for in packaging is what we call barrier properties so the ability to really protect the food and keep it fresh and safe uh, for the duration of its life now flexible packaging uh provides all of that, but it's also incredibly lightweight. So a crisp packet is is extremely lightweight, which means it has a very low carbon footprint. Uh, And that's why we use that type of packaging. If you've ever made potato chips at home and put it in a paper bag and taken it for a picnic, you'd probably very quickly realize that it's (laughs) A, gone soggy and B, had all stains all over everything else in your bag. So, you know, that hopefully gives the importance of some of these barrier properties that we talk about and the importance of keeping that food fresh and uh, uncontaminated. Okay, well, I've never done that, but I'm very familiar with the traditional English way of wrapping chips up from the fish and chip shop. And that was always done in newspaper and you would end up with the newspaper print all over the chips. So (laughs) um, (laughs) I I understand better now. So in terms of of this announcement that you've just made, then why now, Archana? Why, Why couldn't you go out with this announcement before? Simply put, we there was no way to go out with this announcement before because there was a no availability of materials for us to use recycled or renewable content in packaging. This industry is so nascent. Even today, we don't have enough availability of material in the market to convert our entire portfolio to recycled and renewable content if we wanted. So a lot of people always ask me, why eight years from now? Why eight years from now? Because even if I wanted to, we couldn't do it today because there's just no material available in the, in the market. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, So my next question relates to something you mentioned before, actually, and that was about how having the right infrastructure is just so important to to everything we're talking about. So, you know, changing the infrastructure is a big and developing that is a big part of making all of this happen. So how can PepsiCo influence that? Great question. Um, I think there are two aspects of developing infrastructure. One is having the right policy frameworks that enable that infrastructure to develop. And two is then having the right technologies that can be deployed in order to scale that infrastructure. So let me start with the, with the policy piece. Uh, we are doing a lot of work with uh, the EU as well as with different national governments 
to really clearly lay out um, some key policy asks. So these would be things like, you know, higher recycling targets by type of material. We know that a standard 50% recycling target for all of plastics, for instance, can easily be achieved by just recycling rigid packaging like uh, PET bottles without ever recycling flags. So what we're really doing is advocating for higher recycling targets by material. Uh, but then equally, we need to make sure that the policy framework incentivizes recycling. And by that, I mean bans on landfills, very high rates for incineration, so that you, know, you make recycling uh, an attractive economic opportunity for, for the waste managers. So having the right policy framework is, is really critical. Um, EPR, so extended producer responsibility, plays a really critical role in this as well. And uh, my colleague, Andrew Olisi, has been working uh, with CGF and he co-chairs the working group in, this, in the CGF um, that's working on, on EPR and you know, the recently um, released a paper on, on eco-modulation as part of the EPR. So that plays a really, really important role as well. And then the second aspect is once you have the right enabling policy framework in place, you need the right technology. So again, there, uh, I think PepsiCo has a, has a key role to play. We are um, on the leadership team of Holy Grail, which is a unique sorting technology using digital watermarks to sort different types of packaging. So it can be, you can achieve higher purity of sorting and therefore recycling. Uh, we're also working on advanced mechanical recycling technologies with uh, with partners like Borealis and Tomra. So there's a lot that we're doing in the in the sorting and recycling space to make sure that we are uh, investing in advanced technologies that help to better sort and recycle uh, flexible packaging. Thank you for sharing that, Archana. So. Um... What, what do you perceive to be the, the sort of biggest challenges in, in making this happen? And you already mentioned te technology, but how does that really play a role there? Yes, I think the, the biggest challenge in, in making this happen um, is, is the economics. How do you make this economically attractive and value generating for the waste industry? Uh, today, recycling of PET aluminium is um, is economically viable for the waste industry, but for flexibles, uh, again, very much in the nascent stages, and that's where um, things I talked about, like the policy and the and the and the EPR, become really important. I mean, as long as landfill and incineration is cheap. Um, there's always going to be an incentive to divert materials to those to those avenues. So we need to make sure that um, the policy is set in a way that economically incentivizes recycling. But equally, EPR plays an important role. So eco-modulated fees uh, basically means uh, no, you pay uh, a fee for the material based on the actual cost to collect and sort that type of material, which means the value chain and the economics of the value chain then become viable overall and it becomes interesting and uh, you know economically viable for a recycler to recycle the materials as well. 
but then to you know to close the loop on the on the financial cycle having an end market and having users that pull for these recycled materials is also critical and that's where again i think pepsico can play a really important role by signaling our demand to buy 100% recycled or renewable materials at a premium to what we're paying for virgin materials uh, today. Brilliant. Um, so my final question for you, Archana, is, is about collaboration. So clearly collaboration is, is at the heart of what we do at the CGF and you're, you're a big part of that. And we know that it, it's critical to success on, on everything that we've spoken about. So how are you working in partnership to deliver um, your work on, on the issue? I think what we are very clear about is collaboration is key. It's really, really critical to achieve any of this change because no one player uh, on its own can deliver any of this change. So PepsiCo on our own, we can change the design of our packaging, we can buy recycled materials, but to make the whole system work, you really need people across the board to be, to be collaborating with each other. So in, there are different different forums, different levels of collaboration that uh, that we are part of. So we're obviously a part of big industry forums like the CGF. Uh, we're part of um, flexible packaging specific consortiums like um, CFLEX, which is a circular economy for flexible packaging. It's got uh, 160 plus members from across the flexibles production um, and waste management uh, chain. But equally, we sit uh, on the boards of many of the EPR schemes and we're able to, uh, to help influence the, uh, the recycling infrastructure in, in countries. And where, where they don't exist, we, we set up things that we think are relevant. So in the UK, for instance, we've set up, uh, we founded along with four other brand owners, the Flexible Packaging Fund, which uh, incentivizes um, recyclers to recycle flexible packaging by giving them a financial incentive for every ton of flexibles they, they recycle. Uh, so there's, there's a lot that we're doing on that side, but equally we're working um, on collaborations on the technology side. So the you know Holy Grail is a group of uh, several companies who've signed up, again, technology companies, brand owners, retailers who've all signed up to trial digital watermarking. And we will be trialing digital watermarks on our packs in France and in, in Germany this year. Uh, we also work very closely with our suppliers on driving innovation. So the monomaterial film that I talked about earlier, we work closely with Amcor and with other suppliers across the, the value chain. Um, on the technology side as well, working with um, Borealis and Tomra, as I mentioned earlier on advanced mechanical recycling, but there are several other recycling uh, partnerships that I, I can't mention uh, since we're under NDA, but in collaboration is key. Uh, this space is one where we realize that we have to work together with um, experts in the waste management industry, experts in the policy area, industry conveners like yourself in order to make holistic system change happen. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Archana, for 
for sharing more today about your latest announcement and just your work more broadly on all of the different elements of of uh, everything that you're doing uh, to advance the the mission on plastics and you personally clearly have such a wealth of knowledge it's been great to dig into it with you and finally just wanted to thank you and your PepsiCo colleagues for just being so committed and um, to our collective work at the CGF on driving this progress together towards a circular economy so thank you very much. Thank you Louise it's a pleasure chatting with you. If you would like to find out more about the Consumer Goods Forum and our work on sustainability, you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon. Thank you and bye for now.